Welcome back, warriors. Tanse Sego Ani Buju. Kwe Ninda Luizi Pampometer. And I am the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This is a podcast about a warrior lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, and practices. And part of that is about living, asserting, and defending our sovereignty, our territories, and our nations. And native warriors are critical to protecting our people from assimilatory laws and policies and damaging extractive practices. Today is going to be part two of a two-part interview with warrior woman Kanahu's Freedom Manual. She's a fierce defender of native rights and comes from a long line of warriors, including her warrior father, Arthur Manual. Today we'll continue with part two. So we're continuing to work and, and there's so much front lines. I know there's so much people mm -hmm. working on a lot of front lines all across Canada. Like, like I, I've clench my fist and raise it high in the sky to all those people out there, all of our people that are doing amazing work and nonstop. They're, all their time is committed to the work that we're doing, whether it's language or, you know, fighting mm -hmm. for our children. Like all of this is, is warrior work. I say yeah. it's not just being here, stopping a pipeline, like all that work that our people are doing. I see it. And, you know, I acknowledge it because we need those frontline workers all throughout. And I see a lot of times it's women, but, you know, I see the young men out there too. Like I see mm -hmm. um, one of the young men, Dakota Bear, I saw him bringing attention to a lot of the, the issues around human trafficking. That's another issue that we really need to expose that's happening right now. And our young women are being targeted. And, and that's why we need to raise our warriors, because we need our warriors to be strong enough to fight for our young girls. We need our young men out there protecting our young women. We need our young women, you know, trained so they could fight back, because we are the most targeted. We are the most underprotected. We're the most over-policed as Indigenous women. And that's why we need to have our power um, as women. And we need to train, and we need to train in self-defense. And, and it's like, it seems like, you know, there's this gross misunderstanding about um, what it means to actually be a warrior. You know, you hear in mainstream media or conservative politicians or some of the more right wing, you know, talking about, you know, professional protesters as if you can make a wealthy living off of being a protester and as if it's some glorified lifestyle when there's real serious risks. I mean, we all know that you know, Indigenous peoples are the n number one groups that are, die in police custody and that, you know, when it's a matter of land and land defense, they Canada has no problem bringing out the army, bringing out the RCMP. Um, it's always them to be the aggressor. But even things like your kids being detained in another country or uh, people being arrested, all of those things present significant risks to the people that are doing it. And you know, the the people who are proponents of pipelines or proponents of mines or proponents of forestry, they really try to minimize the impact that it has on people and and portray us as being the aggressors when in fact it's always them that brings out the big guns and the whole, you know, even just the colonial way of seeing our territories and waters and plants and animals and characterizing them as resources. Even just when they talk about, 
you know, how many people they need to work the pipeline. They talk about them as human resources. You know, these things are commodities. And so when you come at it with an, an extractive mentality, a resource mentality, it's no wonder that they're doing such destructive damage to our lands, but also to our women. I mean, the issue around man camps, like it's it's something that really isn't enough. Oh, there's not enough public awareness about what a man camp actually means, that it actually increases rates of violence against Indigenous women and, tra- you know, human trafficking and human sex trafficking and, you know, murdered and missing, not just here in the northern part of Turtle Island, but in the southern parts too, anywhere where there's Indigenous peoples who are resisting extraction, there's targeting of Indigenous women and girls. And I'm so, so I'm so glad that we have this forum or this venue where we can all connect to keep each other updated and informed about what's going on because, you know, how else would we know um, to defend ourselves? And and I, I just think it's so wonderful. Like, clearly your dad, you know, raised you all in this context and now you're raising your kids in this context so that they'll be a part of the defenders and... And now you have a, a fairly new initiative. It's called the Tiny House Warriors. And for anyone who's not familiar with that, can you tell us a bit about it and how we can support it? Tiny House Warriors is a, a amazing mission. And it was, you know, through Sukhwatmuk peoples that got together to say, hey, how are we going to fight this pipeline? I mean, we already saw Standing Rock. We saw that there was tens of thousands of people that came through Standing Rock, there was the whole world that was watching at Standing Rock. That pipeline still went through. You know, Dakota Access Pipeline, it still went through. And what it really showed was, like, how are we going to be creative and how are we going to use our our people power in the most beneficial way that we could actually stop a pipeline? I don't, I'm not saying that what happened at Standing Rock was a failure. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is that we need to be smarter, we need to outsmart them, we need to be five steps ahead of them. Standing Rock, and I I would like to actually have my little two bits about Standing Rock after this, because I say that Mm -hmm. it is a win, and it was a win, and it was Mm a, and, um, but I want to, you know, come back to the man camps and the tiny house warriors, is that the tiny house warriors was Sukhwatmuk peoples that got together to say, hey, how are we going to stop this pipeline? Um, We knew already that we've had built homes to assert our jurisdiction and title to our territory up at Sun Peaks, at Skwakwakwilt, that were bulldozed down by the provincial and federal government, you know, and being pushed, you know, injunctions being pushed by these corporations. And in that case, it was a Japanese corporation. This case, right now... um, this pipeline is being pushed through. And we knew and we saw firsthand what happened to our people at Standing Rock. We saw what happened at Sun Peaks with the injunctions coming down on our people. We saw we saw that we have to be creative, that we can go out there and, you know, put on our masks and our camouflage and grab our rifles, but we know exactly how the Canadian government is going to come down on us. Mm-hmm. And 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 I never I'm never con- um, condemning any type of armed resistance. I actually believe that it's a form of resistance that we need. Um, but also at this time, as we're growing our movement, 
you know, to stop this pipeline and to assert our jurisdiction and our title to our, our whole entire nation mm-hmm. um, is to be very creative. And and I believe that it's, you know, the artistic parts of, uh, of us as Indigenous people and our creative sides that need to really look at ways that we're going to really successfully stop this pipeline and not just, you know, try the exact same things that happened before and we know that they failed. And but we also know that our our movements are constantly evolving, and we can't just stay at the same blockade mm-hmm. stage. Like we know what's going to happen when we stay stand off and and blockade. It's like a, when you know we need to be creative, and this was it. It was tiny houses on wheels that we're going to build. Tiny houses on wheels. We're going to address the housing crisis and the housing situation that we're all facing right now that we are going to be building skills as well, that people are going to leave with skills to build their own home. The the wheels part just makes it, you know, building it on trailers makes us mobile. We've always been mobile. We come from mm-hmm. one of the biggest nations in so-called British Columbia. We need the 518 kilometers of territory that this pipeline threatens. We need to be able to monitor. We need to be able to keep a close eye on what they're doing and we need to stop them and we need to block them and we need to you know assert our own title to our lands and our and our jurisdiction and and you know current use my father would always say the current use and occupation of our lands is very powerful they want us to remain on that 0.2% of the you know add up all the Indian reserves across Canada and we're forced into zero point two percent. That mm-hmm. creates the zero point two percent mentality. No, we are wealthy. Our oh. nations are so wealthy. Even mm-hmm. if Canada was to compensate us, it would bankrupt Canada. It would bank bankrupt Great Britain and the Queen. You know, that's how much they would have to compensate us, mm-hmm. Indigenous peoples, for what they've already taken and the impacts that they have made onto our lands and to our peoples and to our minds. You know, the psychological warfare yep. that they have waged on our people and our people need to understand that that colonization is an act of psychological warfare colonization is an act of war Mm -hmm. on our people and it's up to us and the work that we're doing and the education that we continue to put forward but also we need to walk you know our talk too we can't just continue to say these things like we have title to our lands but not be out there yeah, and that was one thing. Is like my father said, I could be out there talking international, but we have to have people on the ground that are are taking this. You know, we're walking this this talk, what we're doing, and we are a nation, and we want to stand as a nation. We need to be out on our territory, and we need to have homes out on our territory, mm-hmm. and we need to be raising our children out on our territory. Right now, I'm not in the the most beautiful place that I would you know want to be. Because right now I'm sitting across from an area that they have plotted out for a man camp. I, I mean, like I could I could throw a rock and it's going to go right there. I, I see the injunction signs that have Skoden spray painted right over top of them. They have two plywood that has like, and this is an injunction zone. If you get caught crossing this area, you could be arrested and charged or whatever it may say. Something like that. It has Skoden spray painted that was our activists those were our warriors those were our people that <laughs> that you know said skoda and then you know skoda <laughs> again let's go like 
we we're we're sick and tired of being pushed around to make way like you know we're we have these pipelines being shoved down our throat and our mm-hmm. and our nations to the to the east that are fighting now line nine and you know all these other lines they're saying Kanahus don't let them bring that pipeline in because they have one line in they want to bring a second line in then it's going to be a third and a fourth and a yep. fifth and a sixth and it's not going to stop yeah. You know, we have to we have to start really addressing the solutions. What's the alternative to to oil and gas? Like they want to say that this is going to bring, you know, bring it money into the economy, but they never consider our indigenous economies and that our indigenous nations here where we have indigenous economies and those are that's everything that's provided for us since the beginning, you know, our water, our deer, our game, everything mm-hmm. we made our baskets out, our val- most valuable trade items, you know, our, 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 our Scosa berries, all of that, that is what this pipeline will devalue. It will devalue our indigenous economies at the expense of, you know, bringing money to, to their pockets. It's, it's going to bring that, that money, you know, to them. It's never going to benefit you know, us and those man camps are for temporary workers in the resource extraction in this pipeline industry. Yep. They're just temporary workers. Those aren't workers that are going to sustain way into the future. No, it's a, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to get across to all these people that they're thinking that there's going to be jobs. Like <laughs> right now, right now, SIMP, SIMP, um, which is one of the federal Indian Act bands here, uh, one of the closest to, to where I am right now. Uh, accepted money from Kinder Morgan. They actually have security that's doing security on this pumping station. They've been doing security the whole winter on this pumping station. Those are dark-skinned natives, darker than me, that are there, um, you know, doing security for that pumping station. And that's how they start to pit native people against each other, is offering native people jobs, you know, and... And then, then we're here saying, no, we don't need your jobs. We already have our own jobs. Um, but we're facing off with native, our own native people working mm-hmm. those jobs. And, and they're the ones doing security. And they're the ones that are trying to tell us, like, no, you step back. You can't come over here to monitor areas. It's, and- it, it's, it's crazy how these corporations it's almost like a second wave of colonization because the you know the first one was this like colonial settlement you know objective and now you know the the really aggressive kinds of uh, activities that are being done are are by these corporations and they get to benefit from how our communities have been negatively impacted from our poverty, from our people wanting to have enough money to buy clothes for their kids or, you know, all of these things. And using that, you know, all that discrimination and genocide and assimilation and pain and trauma and theft and dispossession that our people have suffered against us to try to lure our people into you know being a part of it as if as if a job justifies selling arms to another country that will annihilate another people or as if jobs will somehow justify the ultimate destruction of the earth and in the end you can never justify any of that stuff by jobs but it's an awful powerful propaganda piece by governments and media yes and too i think it's just really 
watering down to the real issue that we have title to this land. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people say, oh, you're taking jobs. So it's like, yeah, but we need to talk about the title to this land. We've never given this mm-hmm. land up. And we have every say, like the federal government continues to push that there's some type of Indigenous Phase 3 consultation that's happening right now. Nobody's been consulted, and it doesn't matter how much they consult with us or any Indigenous peoples or so-called Indigenous group, Mm. um, we've already said no. And the majority of Indigenous people, we believe in the laws of consensus. You know, one child could stand up and say, no, I want to defend the salmon, and that means that we must respect that. We have laws of consensus that we're actually painting on one of our tiny houses because these tiny houses are getting painted with our laws and our stories that link us to this land. And that's why the artists are so important too, is to to bring those images alive, to bring this vision alive that we have for our future. Um, we have, like I tell people, like we could be the next Amsterdam of the world where people could be coming here. We could be actually putting back into the earth. These pipelines could be pulled up and they could be massive, you know, cannabis grows or you know um mm-hmm. or cbd or something that's going to be actually beneficial to the planet and to human life than than this oil and gas like we have to be smart enough and i i said that as soon as i hit down and touched down there at standing rock was just seeing the amount of people and saying okay we need to find a databaser here mm-hmm. and we need to start to data database everybody's skills and what they're willing to do because then with that we could we could we have the ingredients for this this recipe for this revolution that's going to actually be successful and that's why you know we need to merge the technologies with with what we're doing you know we need to have apps we need to have this technology yeah. like you said your your children are saying get with the ages my children <laughs> are saying the same same thing too and 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 we need those young minds those creative young minds they're yeah. the ones that are going to say hey this is how we're going to do it and we're going to do and it's going to be faster and it's going to be better return on investment look at you mm-hmm. guys have you old people have been working all this year and you're not getting what you <laughs> deserve you know and and that's how I feel is that we we do have the minds and the and the creative power and and this the we have such intelligence this indigenous intelligence and this collective indigenous intelligence amongst all of us that we shouldn't be in the place where we're at right now we should be like you know a hundred times ahead right now yeah And, and and that's why we have to be very smart right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I was I was always thinking, okay, we got to fight harder, stronger, punch that punch in there harder, <laughs> you know. But but no, you know, I heard it from my my nephews and my young the young ones that no, we got to be move five steps ahead. We got to be smarter. We got to yeah. be very very intelligent on, and that's what they're doing. You know, we know the Canadian and the federal government is what they're trying to do right now with their with their trickery and everything they they're trying to you know take more land they're trying to create certainty so they could continue yeah. investments you know global investments that are you know taking more resources from our territories and and we need to stop that like the whole permitting process that that yeah you know they're permitting lands they're you know from every stage of, of government we need to be you know monkey wrench monkey wrench in their system but and monkey wrench on the front lines and out there too but <laughs> everywhere we can to yeah you know my, that was one of my father's favorite saying throw a monkey wrench in there yeah you know? 
Because sometimes well, we know that we're not going to be able to stand up and fight them, but we could throw and and throw the throw the whole thing off and 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 get us time. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes it, just biding time is is important, and, yes. and 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 you know I think it's important too because you were you were just you know talking about you know our international kind of solidarity with other indigenous groups, you know, like be it in Guatemala or Peru or Samoa or you know, um, New Zealand or, or wherever it is. But, you know, the work that you do and that other warriors do actually helps other Indigenous groups around the world too because, as you already know, the most lethal and sexually violent transnational corporations in the world are Canada's mining corporations. And what happens is those mining corporations will hire an Indigenous person to travel with them around the world and promote their mining company as good for the village, good for the community, and all these great things will happen. And they think because a, a Native person from Canada is down there promoting it, that it must be the truth. And I think the important work comes from you know, all of us Indigenous allies who meet with them and say, well, in fact, that's not what's going to happen to your village. You're not going to be better. You're going to lose your land and it'll be contaminated and, you know, your your plants and animals will die and they will leave you with all of the contamination and don't believe, you know, the person that they hired to say that. And I think that that's important that we also we also have that responsibility, too, because even though those aren't our companies, they're coming out of Turtle Island and going and doing damage in other native territories. And that's, it's, it's significant damage. It's not just extraction, it's environmental destruction and, and raping and murdering people. And that's, th those are horrendous acts that they don't take accountability for. There's no mechanism that we can hold them to account in their own systems. We're the only ones who can kind of arm ourselves in terms of knowledge and, and you know, this collective intelligence that you're talking about. It's, it's all over Turtle Island and other Indigenous territories. And that's why the work that you do, it just, it's so important. And, you know, on each of these podcasts, I always ask, um, you know, before we, we close the show, um, a question, you know, about what it means to live a warrior life, but I don't have to ask you that because you just live and breathe it. But I think, you know, the probably the more important question is, you know, so many young people are living in these conditions where they're subject to racism, they're subject to abuse and dispossession and, and, and violence. And, you know, they, they get it all the way around, yet they're connected on social media, most of them. And they're, they're listening to what we as adults are saying and what we're talking about and what we're doing and, and what we're saying is important. And I mean, if, if, if you just had a couple of minutes to give a message to our young Native warriors today, what, are, what is the most important thing that you think that they should know? Well, I think that this is, this is their generation. This is their era like they're going to have to define what they want to leave as a as a footprint for the ones that are coming after them we as this older generation now have the warriors that we can name on our hands that inspired us 
that even picked up arms like Wolverine that shot APCs, you know, with one shot from the hip and took it out. Like those warriors with those war stories and, and Brian Gramboy and, you know, you know, all these people that the frontline warriors, the ones that you always, you see, you know, standing on the top of the police car with the rifle in the air. Like that was their generation. They left us those images. They left us that spirit mm -hmm. so we can continue to have that in our heart and in our minds and in our spirit that they fought for us, all of us. And it's up to us in this generation, whatever generation you are in and age group that you're in right now, it's up to us to create those images and those memories and that spirit so the younger ones can, can continue on with that. And a lot of our old timers and our OGs, they're passing on. And, you know, I shed tears for them every day. My tears is the offerings for that, that warrior spirit that can be, you know, revived in every single one of us that before we had the privilege to have warrior societies. Now we have to have a society of warriors. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us needs to be a warrior in our own way. Mm -hmm. And we need to fight with everything that we got with our spirit, with our mind, with our heart, you know, with even our parenting skills, with everything, with our art, with everything that we have, you know, to, to fight for this, this earth, because we don't, our earth isn't going to be like this. If they're causing irreparable mm -hmm. damage, it won't ever be the same of what our ancestors were able to live with. But we have a privilege here in so-called Canada as well, where our relatives in the South are being murdered for taking the same stance that we are taking mm -hmm. up here. And we are fighting those Canadian mining companies and those Canadian companies for them too. And for people that are in Toronto and Vancouver area where a lot of these mining companies are, you know, the they have the capital of mining companies in the world is in Toronto, mm -hmm. Vancouver, is reach out, find those mining companies, re reach out to those Indigenous people and assist them mm -hmm. because we can help them by standing up and fighting these mining companies. I saw the blast and the bomb of the Mount Polly mine disaster. I saw what it did to our territory. It looks more, more of a worn, torn land now than a beautiful, pristine, you know, lake area. That's the deepest glacier-fed lake in the world that they destroyed. And mm. it's constantly flowing into the Fraser River, which, you know, the majority of our salmon runs have to swim through. Well, that's... Uh... And that's that's what we're we're fighting against. And I think it's important that everyone around the world knows that it's a false claim that they're bringing any kind of goodness to the, to our territories. And and I think your message to young people is really, really inspiring because I know from the comments that I get, they care very deeply about the issues, even if they don't know all of the complex, you know, legal issues and native law issues all around it they know that it's important and they know that we're fighting for something important and I know they want to be a part of it they you know they need a purpose and we always had a purpose traditionally you know it was always about living asserting and defending our lands and our territories protecting our peoples and you know living our good life with our ceremonies and and in the beautiful lands that we're in and so I think all of that is 
is worth protecting. And, uh, you know, I, I cannot thank you enough for all of the work that you do in your own right. And I know you work with lots of people. And I know, you know, you worked with your dad and your twin sister and your family and your kids and your cousins. But, you know, you do a lot of good work and there's a lot of us like me who literally look up to everything that you do and want to support you and help share your word and so I really thank you for coming on this podcast and and I hope that we can have you back because I know as soon as I release this podcast on Friday morning I'm going to get more messages to have you back so I hope that that I'll be able to have you back and um, um, if there's anything um that's going on with, you know, Tiny House Warriors or any um, new resistance, send it to me and I'll always try to share it out on social media for you and, and, and garner as much support publicly as possible. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank it was an honor to be here on your podcast with you. Thank you so much. And I'll, I will uh, hopefully have you back again soon. I am so honored that Warrior Woman Kanahu's Freedom Manual was on my podcast. I really just could have let her go on for hours and hours. She is such a wealth of information and inspiration. Let's make this the year of Native Women Warriors and help Kanahu's and all of our warriors on the front lines take back our lands and protect the sovereignty of our nations. Thank you all for tuning into my show. I really appreciate all of you tuning into my show. If you like this show, please consider supporting my podcast by subscribing, liking, and sharing each episode, and leaving your comments. I'm currently hosted on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. Wallalan. Hey,